When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. On ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Oh, it's a very good morning to you. It is a big show. In fact, I'm not sure we've uh, put together a bigger show on the captain's run before. Cal Toomey's going to join us from afl.com.au. There's a big under-18 game between Vic Metro and Vic Country to challenge match. We'll get the latest on that and the names to look out for. St Kilda, unheralded defender, having a very good season. Callum Wilkie after 10 o'clock. Huge game. For the Saints on Saturday, we're going to talk some Olympics with a, a brilliant story. A last-minute Olympic qualifier by the name of Matty Clark. He's going to run in the 3,000 steeplechase at the Olympics. And you want to stick around for his story because it is one of absolute persistence. Dean Vickerman, the Melbourne United coach, live from the Sporting Globe's NBA Finals watch party. Game two between the Bucks and Phoenix is happening. That one gets underway at about 11 o'clock. Melbourne time. Your calls, though, as always, the first hour is free for you to join in the conversation on 1300 736 736, or you can text us always 0433 98 11 16. I want to get the show underway with this. Well, how about that? That was an absolute statement last night. And Melbourne fans, the lid is back off. It's off the emphatic 31-point win over a disappointing Port Adelaide in prime time at Adelaide Oval last night was exactly what Melbourne needed to produce. The Ds have jumped back into top spot for now and in doing so decimated any hope Port Adelaide had of being a premiership chance this year. For Melbourne, I reckon the win started at selection wasn't a massive night for new recruit Ben Brown. He was rusty early and he misread the ball in flight, but he got much better the longer the game went. He is a presence. There's no doubt about it. He leads hard and straight. He draws a good defender with him. And so many times last night, what that did was open up the space in behind him inside 15. You saw Melbourne's small forwards and Christian Petrarca running on to those goals inside 50. Coach Simon Goodwin stood loyal to out-of-form small forward Cozzy Pickett despite calls for him to be dropped. Pickett showed just how important he is for the forward structure and produced glimpses of absolute brilliance. I also want to talk about Max Gorn and what a captain he is developing into. Last night, and there live, you should have seen what he was doing. So selflessly dropping behind the ball to man up port key forward Charlie Dixon so Dixon's man, Stephen May, could be the spare defender. Port coach Ken Hinckley had no answers for this tactic and May mopped up in devastating fashion like he's done all year. Melbourne star Christian Petrarca has only played in three career finals, but we got a glimpse last night of how devastating he could be 
on the big stage in September. The D's only kicked seven goals for the game last week against the Giants. Last night, they had eight to half time. Here's the coach, Simon Goodwin. I think defensively we're sound again against you know, a very good team. And I think that's one thing that we wanted to really pride ourselves on is how we defend first. And that's been pretty solid for most of the season. But clearly tonight we're able to, to impact the scoreboard more. You know, we were more efficient in our entries, something we worked on during the week. And to the boys' credit, our, at the DNA of our game remains sound, which is really important to us as a footy club. Gee, you had a good night, Simon Goodwin. Who didn't have a night, good night, was Port Adelaide. It was a horrible night for Hinkley and Port and they can't escape the flat track bullies tag and rightly so. It's a fact. Losses against West Coast, Brisbane, the Dogs, Geelong and now Melbourne is cold hard evidence. They aren't good enough and won't feature when it matters. Hinkley's selections were perplexing. The power were far too tall in defence and using gun interceptor Ali in the ruck and then forward in a panic move in the last quarter was a mistake. Other forward Todd Marshall has been ice cold all year, yet he keeps his place every week in favour of impressive ruckman Peter Laddams. The Powers Premiership hopes are done. Here's Hinkley speaking post-match. I think, the again, like I said, the last couple of times we've been in this position where the, the information is accurate, we've been getting beaten in the contest more than anything. Um, we haven't been able to make the, the ground we would like to. doesn't mean we won't keep at it and keep trying to make that ground up, but... Tonight, particularly, um, I think Melbourne, you know, may, mainly got it mostly off their off their intercept metres. They were able to take the ball off us. We um, were able to get enough, probably more than them. I think maybe entries at our end compared to them, but they were just, you know, they were more efficient when they took the ball off us and went back and scored. Flat night for Ken Inkley, and we'll wait and see the fallout because another knee injury to Zach Butters is devastating for the young man. So the race to the Premiership just became so much more interesting last night. I couldn't have been any more impressed by what I saw live from Melbourne at Adelaide Oval. And I'm even more confused as to who the best team is in it and who should be Premiership favourites. Dees fans, the lid is off again. one 736 736 Line up and have your say or send us a speckled text. 0433 That's a temper text, of course. Sorry to our good friends at Temper. I keep getting the old sponsor mixed up with the new one for Temper, a mattress like no other, 0433981116. But even better, jump on the phone, have your say, and get involved, particularly to you Melbourne fans. What did you like last night? Dano is in South Yarra. You want to speak about the Red Hot Ds, Dano? Good morning to you, mate. Tano, how are you? Good, thank you. First and first, first and first, I do want to talk about the Ds. The one question I'm just going to ask you. Is football coming home? Is England going to win on Sunday? <laughs> is England going to win on... See, this is probably the least area of my expertise, Dano. So I'll defer to you. Um, spoke to Thomas Sorensen yesterday. He reckons England are a good shot. What do you reckon, though? Oh, you never know. I reckon, I reckon it's I reckon it's here. I reckon they've got it. Mm. Um, but as far as the Ds go... What more do people need to see from them? Mm. You know, they've beaten, they've beaten every single contender and beaten them comfortably. They've just had a little bit of a form slump against a couple of, you know, average teams. But what more do people need to see from them? They're clearly the best. They've clearly taken every challenger and really asserted themselves well. And why, why is everybody hopping up so much about Geelong or Brisbane 
or the Bulldogs when Melbourne's taken it to them every every time they play. I needed to see that last night. I needed to see it live. I wanted to see their forward line function and how they went about it. I, you know, there, there was, I think, rightly questions over the forward. I mean, they'd averaged 62 points for the previous three weeks, so there was always going to be question marks over that. They look a better side when Ben Brown is in it, and I think he'll continue to get better, and I think that will be an inspired choice. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I probably still got one foot in the Western Bulldogs camp just for um, how they can pile it on and the depth of their midfield. But last night made it really interesting. Hey, I, I neglected to um, mention Ash Barty in my opener as well. What a performance caught um, a fair bit of that match against Angie Kerber last night when I got home from the football. She She's unbelievable. So Pliskova in the final um, looking forward to that one on Saturday night. Ash Barty, can she do it? She's breaking all sorts of records. So if you want to have your say on the back of that, did you watch, stay up and, and watch what Ash did to win through to the Wimbledon final? What is it, first time in 40-odd years? What a performance that was. Happy to take your calls on that as well. Gary's in Broad Meadows. You want to speak about the Ds as well, Gaz? Yeah, I, I do. You're a commentator, right, and a good commentator at that, and you have your opinions. I want to know, and you know these blokes, what is going on with the Fox footy team and Ben Brown, and what is the hatred against that bloke with guys like Jared Ely? Did you hear him after the game? Bring back Sam Wiedemann. What is no. going on? Something's going on with those blokes. And, I'm not and, sure, and, Gaz. I was on I was on air for AFL Nation, so I didn't I didn't hear what they were saying. Look, I, I was reasonably comfortable with what Ben Brown did last night. I, mean, I, I wasn't expecting him to come straight back in and kick four or dominate the game but I think he's important to their structure because he does he leads hard and straight and the flow-on effect for those around him he, he definitely draws a good opponent and it did open up space in you know, times for Jackson to take a contested mark early for, for Pickin and Petrarca to get him behind so I'd, I'd be sticking with Ben Brown no issue I think he's going to get better and I think that was a good choice last night thanks Gaz didn't hear it did you 04 33 with a Fox guys too hard on Ben Brown last night. Kaz is in Essendon. What do you make of the D's, Kaz? Yeah, mate, great. I've always been on board anyway. Um, <laughs> Melbourne supporters just have to start believing. Look, I was at the game last week. I walked away. I wasn't angry or anything. I thought, well, this will have a few changes like Brown. Sometimes you need a game like that to just uh, put a few things in perspective. And we did miss a big forward. Um, and he's going to get better. The guys been out. He's had a few knee um, problems, but he's going to play. Now they need to leave him in and let them get consistency with him. He frees up like Macca, Fritzy last night. We didn't have, they didn't have to worry about taking that big um, backman all the time. And I did hear, I just did hear what Jared Healy said, and I was really annoyed. I actually turned it off. Um, he just went, oh, Melbourne would have won anyway because it was intensity, intensity, intensity. And yeah, I agree with that last caller. Get off his case. He's played four games for us. He's been injured. Um, and he will get better. And he's what we actually need. That's why we recruited him. So everyone needs to calm down. And the D's for the Premiers. And that's all I'm going to say. There you go. The lid's off. There it is from Kaz. Calm down. Everyone believe in Melbourne. Yeah. Gee, I was, as I said, I couldn't have been more impressed walking away. I thought, I thought it was a terrific night for Simon Goodwin. I thought he was magnificent with his selection and the way that he set up. And... 
what a captain Max Gorney's turning into. Um, yeah, he's an absolute workhorse to see that live and his work rate and his selflessness last night. I thought it was a really important game for Max. They came after him off the ball every time he ran near it. Port Adelaide put some time into him and some work into him, but he's just unflustered. So, uh, as I said, pretty impressive stuff, I reckon. Steve is in Lilydale, no doubt. He wants to have a crack at the flat track bullies. Port Adelaide, Steve, fire away, mate. The floor's yours. Yeah, no, look, Kane, I'm not one for kicking someone when they're down. I, um, the thing is, the thing is, Kane, you keep on making judgments about Port pa- about other teams after they played Port Power. I mean, you said Geelong were the best team in it after they played Port Power. You said the Bulldogs were, uh, and now Melbourne. So I just think Port Power made a lot of top eight sides look pretty good this year. But they actually remind me, Kane, of... Um, I was trying to think about what they're like, and they actually remind... You know when you hear about your team's going to draft another player, and you, you go and you look on YouTube at their highlights reel? Um, and you think, wow, we're going to get this unbelievable play. And that's what Port, Port Adelaide are like. They, they look really good when everything's going their way. But when it's nose to the grindstone, they've pretty much only got two players, which is Ollie Wines and, um, and Travis Boak. So they look good. Like Mitch Georgiata's climbing high. And um, what's his name? Todd, oh, Todd Marshall hasn't had a highlight yet in his career, but he will one day, hopefully. Uh, Steve, so, I, harsh on Todd Marshall. The rest, of it, the rest of it this morning, I can't be bothered arguing with you because... You're pretty much spot on. Um, there's not a lot of arguments. Uh, I was disappointed. I had my 12-year-old absolutely in tears. We're, so we're walking, 12-year-old's in tears. We're walking to the car park. There's sort of a grass area at the back of Adelaide Oval. He's just trying to compose himself. He gets very emotional when Port Adelaide lose. And big brother, 14-year-old, just comes across for no reason whatsoever and just tackles him and smashes him to the ground. So there were more tears last night. It was absolutely chaos in my household, but Steve, I would usually put up a fight against you, old mate, and I would have some smart aleck comment about your Crows and their 15th position on the ladder, but I won't do that this morning because uh, there's not a lot of arguments from me in relation to Port Adelaide. Chris wants to speak about the power. What's your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, look, uh, Kano, I know he's uh, your boy and uh, all the rest of it, but look, there's no denying this kid's talent and his skill. But uh, for me, mate, Connor Rosie is a dead set downhill skier. He is quick as lightning, but does not run both ways. Puts zero forward pressure on. Looks at himself too much on the screen. Look at me, look at me. And when the ball is going back the other way, he pulls this, you know, gets up, acts as if he's limping and he's sore. And, mate, you compare him and his pressure acts and, and his forward pressure to someone like Pickett or, or young Cody Waitman, and it's chalk and cheese, mate. The kid's got to... He's got to pull his head out of his uh, backside and start playing football for a team, not not playing for himself. He, 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 it's shit to watch, mate. Strong thoughts there on Connor Rosie. What I will say, he's too good to be touching the footy six times a game. So last night he, he touched it. So he had a good opponent in Hibbard, so clearly... They identified how important Rosie is. Hibbard gets all the big matchups. He gets Martin. He gets Toby Green last week. He went to Rosie. So that's how the opposition view him. But he needs to be touching it more than six times a game. And, and perhaps he needs to be put into the midfield this preseason so he is around the footy more than in that difficult position in the forward line. So, yep, I, I agree. Last night, he had to do more, and he didn't. Zach is on the line. An unheralded demon you want to highlight, Zach. Yeah, g'day, Kane. It's your number one reformed fan here. Um, I just want to talk about Harrison Petty. You know, the, when Tomlinson went down against North, 
it sent shivers up the spine of a couple of demon supporters because we thought, oh, there goes our defence. And in comes Petty, who I think at that stage maybe had played seven games for us. I think last night was his 21st game. It was unbelievable. He's setting up a defence in the back there alongside um, Lee and uh, Lever and May. He just looks like he's been there for 100 games already. So I said this, Zach, on the, on the AFL Nation call last night. Um, the, and once again, it would have been very easy to put McDonald back because he's played that role particularly well. What, what year was it? 20, 2018 or, or whenever it was, 2017 and, and prior to that. Very easy to switch him back into defence when Tomlinson went down. But for the coaching staff at Melbourne to say, no, no, we, we like what he's doing in the forward half. We're going to go with a, a young player in Petty. It was, was an inspired move. He was, he was amazing last night. Harrison Petty does there's a big, massive spoil in the first quarter. I reckon, which he sent back to the middle of the ground. Melbourne got a goal out of that. He just does the right things at the right time, and he's really strong one-on-one. Lots to like about at Melbourne this morning. We'll get to your calls, including Dino's up next. We've got Lou, we've got John and Bo all waiting to have their say. The lid's off, these fans. Jump on the phone. This is the Captain's Run with you through until 12 o'clock. ECN, the Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Bit of heavy metal stuff going on in here. I uh, got a bit of feedback in my headphones back as well, if I can sort that back out in the studio. But Ash Barty through to the final of Wimbledon. Also, Nick Kyrgios withdrawing from the Olympics. We'll read out his statement very, very shortly. But in the meantime, Dean is in Burwood. You want to chat about Port Adelaide, Dean? Yeah, good on you, Kane. Done a good, uh, great job this week too, buddy. Um, Thank you. I don't know who's the four coach at bloody Adelaide, uh, Port Adelaide, I should say, but um, Todd Marshall and Charlie Dixon, all they do is seem to spoil each other. They, they run the same spot all the time. Like, the massive forwards, why don't they split themselves and run to different positions in the forward line? Happens week in, week out. I don't back for Port Adelaide, but I you know, watch it every week. They do the same thing week in, week out. Yeah, it's a, an issue for them, their forward line. Todd Marshall is out of form. Todd, um, Peter Adams was in good form, but continues to be overlooked, so we'll wait and see what they do there. But it was a poor night for Port Adelaide in general. Thanks, Dino. Let's go to Lou, who wants to speak about Connor Rosie. Yeah, Kane, I'm a bit upset, mate. Uh, I was um, I was on your side a few months back. I'm, I'm a Connor supporter, and as much as I hate Carlton, I've got to say, man, you went early on uh, Rosie against, you know, the Rosie-Walsh comparison. You just went way too early, Kane. And um, I think it beat you in the backside, mate. Yeah, that's okay, Lou. It's an opinion business. You make strong opinions. You get some right. You get some wrong. I still think Connor Rosie is going to be an unbelievable footballer. He kicked four and a quarter on prime time not that long ago, and he plays a much more difficult position than what Sam Walsh plays. But you're right. In in the development, Sam Walsh is in front. You make a couple of opinions. You get some right. You get some wrong. Um, but it's not going to change me from having those. Appreciate it. Louie, happy to take your call whenever you like. John's in Richmond. You want to chat about the Ds, Johnny? Uh, hi, Ken. Yeah, look, uh, just an awesome performance again. Um, uh, your previous caller there, Zach, kind of beat me to the punch on um, Harrison Petty. Absolutely awesome game. Like, take eight intercept marks, top-notch stuff. But what I was really liking about the game last night was the likes of Brayshaw, especially James Jordan, 
surely he's a lock now for the rising star for the like he's killing it there like in what arguably like the top two midfielders in the competition with the Western Bulldogs and Melbourne and he's absolutely holding his own again 21 disposals again last night so yeah it's just I think it was good to see us against you know a half decent team in Port Adelaide they're not really like like, like you said you know they're downhill skiers um, but like it was a good hard competition uh, contest last night that we really needed and uh, Did need yeah, it. It, was a, yeah, it was good to see it was good to see if you're a Melbourne fan. I mean, it was it was a statement that was made. There was it was a complete four quarter performance, I thought. So yeah, as Simon Goodwin said, the DNA of being really strong defensively was there, and and had, to be fair, hasn't hasn't gone away all year. But their efficiency, their centre bounce work, the way the forward line functioned, and their pressure and intensity was. It was really pleasing if you're a Melbourne fan, and it does make things really interesting because you know probably with the Dogs they've been the best team all year. They had a blip as as most teams do at some stage during the year, but who deserves premiership favouritism right now? I guess it doesn't really matter, but it's an interesting topic. If you had to back someone, who would it be? And the Rising Star race is fascinating as well. Jackson is in there. Tom Green, I still think, is the favourite from the Giants, but he got dropped two weeks ago. Wait and see. Not an easy decision. The next six or seven weeks will be vitally important in the race to the rising star. Good on you. Let's go to Johnny in Richmond, who also wants to speak about the Ds. Hi, John. That was John. So John's gone. Let's go to Tom, who wants to also chat about Connor Rosie. Your thoughts, Tom? How you going, Karen? Good, mate. Uh, I think uh, people go very early, and that bloke rang up before and said Sam Walsh is far better than Connor Rosie. Uh, I think Connor Rosie has much more upside than Sam Walsh. I think Sam Walsh is a good player, but I think with his height and the way he's built, he will stay this sort of player for the rest of his career. The way Connor Rosie has, you know, um, he's got more flair and match-winning ability than Sam Walsh. I think Connor Rosie, as he gets older, will be a far better player. And Zach Butters will be better than both of them. Well, if Zach Butters can be... If they can get him on the park, like he, he's tracking to be phenomenal, unfortunately. And when you start to have repeated injuries and knees and ankles, it gets complicated. Look, I, I think both clubs would be happy with what they've got. I think Port Adelaide would be really happy with Butters and Rosie. I think you know, clearly Carlton would be thrilled with Sam Walsh. It's the way that it goes. And there can be multiple winners. And at the moment, it appears that way. But Walsh is flying and you couldn't knock anything he's doing at the moment. Glenn is on the line. In fact, we'll get back to Glenn very shortly after... Uh, the 9.30 news. We'll also get to Bo and Pete who want to have their say. We're taking your calls right through in the first hour. Big show coming up. Ash Barty is through to the final of Wimbledon. Nick Kyrgios is out. We'll read his statement to you and get your thoughts on that very, very shortly. But right now, it is time for the 9.30 news headlines with Alex Riddell. Nick Kyrgios is out of the Olympics. He released a statement. Hi, guys. I just want to let you know I've decided to withdraw from the Olympics, a decision I didn't make lightly. It's been my dream to represent Australia at the Olympics, and I know I may never get that opportunity again, but I also know myself the thought of playing in front of empty stadiums just doesn't sit right with me. It never has. I also wouldn't want to take away an opportunity from a healthy Aussie athlete ready to represent the country. I'll also take all the time I need to get my body right. Good luck to all the Aussies competing well i wonder if there's going to be the same criticism that ben simmons received for not going to the olympics this one from justin kane i've spoken to you about nick kyrgios before 
He's an embarrassment, and people who thought he'd changed based on Wimbledon were kidding themselves. It's the same old story. He wasn't prepared. That's the reason he got injured. Strong thoughts coming through from the text machine. Nick Kyrgios out, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Have you say on that? Glenn is on the line. G'day to you, Glenn. Far away, mate. Yeah, just a quick one. Just a quick one for you, mate. Come on, mate. Like, you, you can't tell me that Connor Rosie plays an easier position than Sam Walsh on the ground. No way, mate. A harder, like, a harder position, Glenn. A, a much harder position on the ground. Well, please, can you explain that, Kano? Because I don't understand what you mean. How is it how, easier? How could, you, how could you not understand what I mean? You're a midfielder who doesn't play on anyone, who runs around and uses your fitness. And this is me who, who played as a midfielder. I'm telling you because I've played both positions. It, it is a fact that the hardest position to play on the ground is a small fault. I mean, you, you're relying on the work up the field to get to the ball. Uh, whereas as a midfield now, and with the way that it's played, and you know, Sam Walsh has had a little bit more attention in the last three weeks, but you run around with no one on you. And if you've got a big tank, you can get 30 every week. Try doing that in the forward line when you're on a good player like Michael Hibbert. It's it's much more difficult. That, that's not a criticism at all. That's that's a fact. I don't, I don't agree with you, Kano. The easiest position on the ground to play is tagger, the position you play. You need a big engine. That's all you need. Righto, mate. Good on you, Glenn. Let's go to Mark in Brighton. G'day, Mark. G'day, Kano. The flat track bullies, mate. I'm hearing the jungle drums are beating. Hinkley's on shaky ground and one of the old favoured sons might be sitting in the slot ready to take over, Buckley. Oh, there you go. We've, we've, yeah, we've a had a lot of... Is that, is that what you're hearing, Mark, or that's just a, that's an opinion? Uh, I had a good source. So okay. he's sitting there, and as a favoured son, he started his career, I think, in Port, after the Northern Territory and all the rest of it. So there you go. There you go. Favourite son back to... Port Adelaide, Nathan Buckley to replace Ken Hinckley. Um, I think Ken's contracted for a, a while yet, um, but it'll be it'll be interesting because uh, two or so seasons ago, when Port Adelaide didn't make the finals, there was petitions from Port supporters to um, to let Ken Hinckley go. Um, they turned it around and had a good season, and I was of the opinion that they did the right thing by sticking by him. But with the squad that he's got, if it doesn't end well, uh, the pressure will, will no doubt build, as it often does on, on coaches who have been at one club for a long time without winning a premiership. Good on you, Mark. Bit of a bit of a rumour for us this morning. Pete is on the road. Hi, Pete. Yeah, just a couple of points. One, I was actually going to bring up Ken Hinckley in terms of is he now coming under pressure uh, from his board, uh, given how many years have been there, you know, in the positive starts, etc. Or... Is it injuries real, uh, you know, and excusable sort of thing, injuries where he can uh, lay blame there? So I'm just thinking about, uh, you know, what's the tolerance like at Port Adelaide? But quickly, on the round ball um, uh, game, uh, Kane, uh, to answer your first caller, they're only a chance to win the Euro. That's like excluding half the world, especially the, uh, the South Americans. Uh, who who obviously are playing their own cup at the moment. Um, it, it would be like West Coast winning a premiership where it excludes all the Victorian clubs. Um, so I don't know why they're getting too excited. It's not the World Cup, it's just the Euros. It's, you know, a lot of good sides there, but I think we're overdoing it. <laughs> Pretty big deal, though, I reckon, Pete. Don't, don't you think? I mean, the, the scenes have been unbelievable. and First major trophy, what, since 66? So I think they'll... Um, 
I think they'll take it if they can get it. Uh, Ken Hinckley's been there for nine seasons. Uh, he's contracted until the end of 2023, um, for those wondering. So there'll be a bit of grace there with the contract status, the soft cap, and um, they'll certainly back him in at least for 2022, and we'll see what happens. Uh, let's go to Mick, who wants to chat about Sam Walsh. G'day, Mick. G'day, Kane, mate. I've got to defend my man, Sam. He doesn't, need de- he doesn't need defending. Sam Walsh doesn't need... De- no one's... Not, not one person is criticising Sam Walsh. All, all I said was that playing half-forward is much more difficult... Not you. ...than playing in the midfield. Not not you, mate. Not you. Okay. I'm not talking about you. I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. But that fellow before that reckoned that Conor Rose has got more upside than Sam Walsh obviously hasn't seen Sam Walsh's tapes because last week he kicked goal of the round. Mm. Last year... He took mark of the year. So what more is a guy going to do to have an upside? He's got so much upside on him that's not funny. He's got more upside, I think, than any other player. Well, I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I, what I do agree with the previous caller is Connor Rosie has huge upside. And so his his growth can be significant. Um, Sam Walsh, you know, to, to go to another level, I mean, there'll be incremental improvements, but for him to make another giant leap is going to be difficult because of the leaps that he's already made. So, look, I think, as I said, both clubs will be, will be happy with who they've drafted and there can be a situation where there are multiple winners out of it all. Uh, Taylor's in Brisbane. Nick Kyrgios is out of the Olympics. Taylor, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, thanks for taking my call, uh, Kane. I think, as Australians, we just have to accept who Nick Kyrgios is. He's not going to be a Pat Rafter. He's not going to be a late steward. He's going to give everything all to tennis. I've accepted the fate, and I'm just enjoying his tennis. Like, he's not going to be the person who's going to give his whole life to it. Um, and I think it's hard to swallow as Australians, but in the day, accept who he is and just enjoy what we can watch. Are you flat, though, that he's not doesn't want to represent his country again? Oh, look, we'd love to see him represent Australia, absolutely, like any Australian does for their sportsman, but in the end of the day, once you accept who he is, it, it makes it a lot easier to accept that he's not going to be representing Australia and giving his all. So, yeah, disappointing, but I accept who he is. Righto, that's what we've been discussing all week. Are you comfortable with what Nick Kyrgios is? Because time and time again, he, he proves he is what he is, and we just got to accept it, that he's not going to be great, he's going to be okay, he's going to give us some highlights, he's going to be entertaining, but when the going gets tough, Nick Kyrgios will not be there. Have you accepted that? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 21 minutes to 10 o'clock, we'll get to Joe, Bo, Steve and Jeremy, this is the captain's run, a lot of you wanting to have your say, which we love, we'll get back to your calls after this. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Going off this morning, 16 minutes to 10. We might just whip through so many of your calls because we've got a full board. A lot of you wanted to have your say, including Joe, who's been patient. Hi, Joe. Good morning, Kane. How are you? Good, mate. Yeah, mate. You, you, if you're using your template, which is Clarkson's the best in the business and you go get him, wouldn't um, Port Adelaide be having a crack? Because Hinkley, Hink, what's, what's Hinkley got over Clarkson? Well, he's got a contract until 2023. So, I mean, if Port Adelaide, with the finances of, of their footy club, they're not going to pay out a coach for, you know, two and a half seasons, are they? It's going to cost them, what, 1.8 million bucks. It's just not going to happen, Joe. Um, and, you know, it's not disastrous. It's not as if, you know, they're, they're having a review of all things at Port Adelaide. They were fourth before last night. So, 
Um, I think they'll give Ken Hinckley certainly at least another season to, to work things out and, and have a crack at, at winning a premiership because it'll be his 10th season next year and that is about the time where things get interesting if you haven't produced a premiership, but they're not going to pay him out for two and a half seasons. Thanks, Joe. Let's get to Jeremy and Torquay. G'day, Jez. Hey, Kane, you got me? Got you, mate. Loud and clear. Yeah, sweet. Uh, just a response, mate. Pike getting into you before about Deezy's position on the grounds being a tagger. Yeah, his he's, uh, football knowledge is very questionable. How was it playing on blokes like Gary Albert Jr., the best player in the game? It wasn't a lot, it wasn't a lot of fun. It wasn't a lot of fun, Jeremy, but um, no, nah, he, he's all right. It was old old mate Glennie, who's, who's got some inside knowledge of the most difficult positions to play. But um, that, that's okay. I, I genuinely believe that playing small forward and, by extension, key forward are the two most difficult positions on the ground. I think that would be um, the majority view of most people out there. It's a lot easier to run around in the midfield. doesn't say it's not really important, but... I'd much rather be a midfielder than a key forward with the difficulty level. Good on you, Jeremy. Let's get a John in Moorabbin. G'day, John. G'day, Kane. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, good. Just following up on that Rosie thing, um, you know, you're talking about potential. How far can Sammy Walsh go? Well, how far can he go? A great man by the name of Matt Rendell, who was on uh, Dwayne's show yesterday, who you have wrapped up before as a, as a, a, a great sporting mind has put Walsh on the wing in the All-Australian side. So how far can he go? Well, he's already All-Australian. Rosie's batting around trying to get a kick, mate. I don't think there's any comparison. Good on you, Johnny. Thanks for your thoughts. Let's go to Footscray and speak to Ian. Hi, Ian. Yeah, good day, Kane. How are you? Good. Good, good. Um, Ken Hinckley, he's driving his players into the ground, Kane. In what they way? Look exhaust- they look exhausted. And his younger players... They're all getting injured or they're strapped up like old horses. So he really needs to pull back a bit on his, on his harshness on his players and uh, give, them some, uh, give them some joy in football rather than all this tense uh, play that, you know, that they've got to win. And, you know, he's got to pull back. Bit more fun, you reckon, Ian? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think he's got a reasonable, from what I hear, and I'm certainly not at the coal face of it by any means anymore. But I think he's got a reasonable balance. Um, you know, I don't think it's uncommon to see players running around with strapping on them. I mean, look at Patrick Cripps from Carlton. He's played the last four seasons strapped up like a mummy. So not not uncommon to see that. They they did look flat last night. Oh, I'll give you that. They did look like they were struggling to cover the ground. They looked to be. To be fair, I mean, to be honest, they looked slow last night and they were exposed in that area. So I'll take part of what you're saying, but I, you know, I think they get a lot of time off. They get a lot of rest. Um, their fitness man is exceptional. So I wouldn't think that was an issue for their form last night, albeit they did look a bit slow. Uh, Mark is in Aspendale. G'day, Mark. G'day, Kane. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the two 50-metre penalties, um, one on Connor Rosie and the other one on um, Tom Jonas. Mm. Soft, I would have thought. So the Rosie one, I didn't have the umpire audio, but I'm assuming he paid that for encroaching on the protected area, not for the stand rule, because I thought he played it pretty well. Perhaps he was just a bit aggressive with getting in the protected area. And the Jonas one, would you want to see that in a final? And would you want that to cost you a, a game in a final? No, you wouldn't. I'd, I'd much rather see them uh, let go because the 50-metre penalty is such a harsh penalty. And as you saw, one of them resulted in a goal. goal. Thanks, Mark. Let's go to Bo in the Sunshine Coast. Do you want to speak about Quinton Narkle, Bo? 
Yeah, Kano, how are you, buddy? Good. Yeah, two things. Um, I need a favour from you firstly. I need you What's to get that? Simon Lloyd on board. Mm-hmm. Get on, get him on SEN and ask him what Narco and Constable have to do to get a game over homes. It's beyond me. It's becoming sabotage now. Second point, why when teams play Melbourne, they keep bombing it? Why don't they lower their eyes and hit up a target and make Levi and May defend instead of hovering around? This is a problem. They don't lower their eyes. I think the Hawthorne team... Um, the full premiership side would absolutely cut Melbourne to pieces with their kicking, their short kicks and hitting up a target. I think when Melbourne come against teams like Geelong with Big Hawk, Cameron and Rowan, when they have to actually defend, will become a problem. What do you think? It's, a, it's an interesting one. I, I think Port Adelaide definitely had the tactic to deny Melbourne the ball and you know they were plus 14 in uncontested marks at quarter time so clearly possess the ball shift it sideways make Melbourne's 18 man zone sort of shift across the ground so they can't pin you into one area of the ground it worked for patches but in the end they're just so well organized as soon as it's slow play they're so good at rolling back and as I said, Max Gorn just goes and picks up Charlie Dixon to leave May free and you are forced, in in essence, to bomb it in and, and that's what Melbourne love. You've got to get them out of the centre bounce when the numbers are even forward of the ball and in fast play, when the ball's in motion, you've got to go and go quickly. That's how you get a hold of them. But uh, last night, they were very well organised. Easier said than done, Bo, but I, I get your point. And to have success against Melbourne, you have to go fast and quickly into your forward line. Steve's in East... Um, where are you, Steve? In East Melbourne, I think we pronounce it. That's it. Kyrgios, mate. He's he's not going the Olympics. Your thoughts? Uh, first of all, Kane, I'd like to say um, I, I've been listening to you for a long time, uh, and um, you're going to laugh at this. Probably a lot of people will, but I relate to you a little bit to to Kyrgios. People don't like some of them what you say, but you know what? You're bloody honest, and you give your opinion. And that's the way it is. Now, he doesn't uh, want to do what he does, uh, wants to do. Fair enough. And, um, yeah, that's, that's all I had to say. Um, you know, a lot of people are on his back. Um, you know, you don't like him, you don't like him. But at least he's honest. He's saying what he, what he feels. That's about it. <laughs> Being authentic, you reckon, Steve? Yeah, I, I understand it. Um, I'm, I'm, I've got my head around it, but it doesn't mean I'm not disappointed by it. And still, you know, who cares what I think, but still such a such a waste of talent for and hopefully in 20 years he doesn't look back and think oh I, I could have been Ash Barty or I could have been Leighton Hewitt we'll wait and see but he he seems happy at the moment which is the most important thing but he's not going to the Olympics which I think is really disappointing and for those that were so critical of Ben Simmons I think it would be hypocritical of you not to be critical of Nick Kyrgios for not going as well we'll get back to Steve Charlie and Kieran on the other side of this, this is the captain. We've got a massive morning coming up. Cow Toomey to get you your AFL fix. Who could your club draft? We'll find out with Cow. Callum Wilkie from the Saints having a very solid season. We'll speak to Matty Clark. He's off to the Olympics. Great story that he's going to tell. And we'll speak some NBL, some NBA with Dean Vickerman. Game two of the NBA finals between Phoenix and uh, the Milwaukee Bucks is happening at about 11 o'clock. It's eight minutes to 10. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Yeah, it's three minutes to 10 o'clock. You just have to tell me, Johnny, who is waiting on the line to have their say. My computer has just gone down, so let's get to Steve. Thank you to you, Johnny. Hi, Steve. 
G'day, Kane. Uh, love your show as always. Thanks, mate. mate I understand that you uh, spend a bit of time in Melbourne, so I've, I've organised a cultural excursion for us. So on mm-hmm. Sunday night, Monday morning, I'm going to come and pick you up. We'll go yep. down the Ligon Street together, yep. and um, I'll, I'll give you a, an Italian top. I've booked the table already, so we can have a plate of pasta, a glass of vino, and a couple of short blacks. And after Italy have won, we'll go out and light a few. Uh, um, we'll, we'll go out and light a few. Um, oh, what do you call them? What, uh, flares cigars together, or mate. Oh, yeah, flares. No, we'll, go, we'll go out and light a few flares together in the middle of Ligon Street. What do you reckon? You up for well, it or what? I, I actually, I, that actually sounds like a good time. Like I'm not much of a party animal, Steve. So what, what time is this game happening? This will be probably well past my bedtime, will it? Well, it'll be about five o'clock in the morning. So you just oh, get right. up and I'll going up. for your morning run. You know, I'll be, that, that actually sounds like a good time. So it'll be going off, won't it? So Italy win, do they, Steve? You, you're confident? Yeah, I, I think they do, mate. They're uh, strong across uh, all areas of the field. And, um, you know, you could just imagine the poor Poms leaving uh, Wembley Stadium, mate. They'll all be in tears and they'll be reminiscing what could have been. And it'll be another 50 years until they make it again. Okay, a cultural experiment with Steve down Ligon Street um, at five o'clock in the morning. Um, we'll have some pasta, we'll have some vino, and we'll light some flares. I, actually, apart from the flares and, and breaking the law, it doesn't sound like a bad time, I reckon, Steve. We might book that one in. Uh, we'll get to your calls, plenty of them coming through. Keep them coming, joining the conversation. What did you make of the footy last night? How are you still feeling about Clarkson and Mitchell? There's plenty to talk about. Big game for the Bombers on tonight. We've got some great guests coming up. The number's one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Time now for the ten o'clock news. On ECN, the Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Yeah, very good morning to you. It was a massive first hour, it must be said. I reckon we almost took a record amount of calls, heaps of texts coming through. Apologies, couldn't get to all of those. But it's a really interesting AFL season that is in front of us. And Melbourne's form last night was exactly what Melbourne fans would have wanted to see. And for Port Adelaide, and to those of you waking up this morning in a bad mood, there's probably good reason for that because the Premiership hopes have probably evaporated again and the facts are the facts that they are not good enough to compete against the best teams in it. Big guests coming up. We're going to go to the Saints and speak to Callum Wilkie, who's one of their unheralded stars, putting together a fine season. We'll talk some Olympics with a great story. Matty Clark has qualified on the death knock the last minute in the steeplechase. He'll join us after 11 and game two of the NBA Finals is on. Dean, Dean Vickerman is the Melbourne United coach. He's live from the Sporting Globe's NBA Finals watch party. Uh, we'll talk some more footy, though, now with afl.com.au. Guru Kautumi is his name. Hey, Kau, thanks for your time, buddy. Anytime, Kane. How are you? What did you make of the Ds last night? Pretty impressive. They were too good, weren't they? And yeah. again, there's probably the question mark on the Port Adelaide midfield, and it's an area that they've looked at bolstering over the past couple of years. They're interested in Zach Merritt this year around as a, a restricted free agent. So clearly, I think um, the gap between the Petrarca and Oliver level, and maybe the one outness of uh, Ollie Wines at the moment, clearly Zach Butters is, is right up there as Port Adelaide's best player as well when he's firing. I know you're as big a fan of him as I am, but... Yeah, they need him back up and going, and unfortunately that looks like being a few weeks away now again. 
Yeah, so you're one of the experts in terms of you know the trade staff and, and draft. If you were Port Adelaide, I mean, the, the demographic of their list is still pretty good. They've invested heavily in the draft. There's a number of first-round draft picks on their list. Now that the midfielders are starting to be ticked off and re-signing, you know, even, even Parrish re-signing, Merritt, you mentioned, Cripps, they're starting to become unavailable again. Is there any out there that, that fit for Port? One I would put on the radar as being a good option, I think. And he's a bit underrated because, one, he's been out of sight, out of mind this year. And two, he plays for North Melbourne, which has struggled over the past few years, is Trent Dumont. Look, he's a player who had a look around at the end of last season with a year to go in his contract. So he would have had to be joining another club via a trade. This time around, he's an unrestricted free agent. So he can walk to another club. He had interest last year. The calf injury has meant that he missed the first half of this season. I think he's a pretty good player. I just think that this season and the fact that he plays for a lower-profile club, some people might not see that. But I think in terms of adding to your depth of midfielders, he'd be a good option to have a look at from Port Adelaide's perspective. So we love the, the trade space and, and it goes nuts when it happens and comes around. It doesn't feel like it's going to be that busy, though, does it, Cal? Like the, with the players available, I guess Josh Kelly is the big one. There's a, there's a couple of names, but do you think it might be a little bit more quiet with, with players recommitting to their own clubs? Yeah, there's a couple, as you said. Josh Kelly's a big free agent. We don't know where it's going to land for Jack Billings as well, who's yet to have a contract put to him at the Saints, despite being a restricted free agent. Matt Crouch, of course, as well. Where does it land for him, given the injury troubles he's had this year? So they're all the big main uh, restricted free agents. And I think you're right, because clubs have been so stacked in terms of their salary caps and what they had to do at the end of last year and, and defer payments and ask players all around club land to, to push back money to make sure they could get under the salary cap, which had been revised by the AFL, means clubs just don't have the cash to splash this season. So I know speaking to list managers and managers, they are finding it as well that there's not as many names doing the rounds in terms of being on the move because uh, at this point, the clubs aren't really sure what the salary cap will be in the future as well. They're, they're not um, completely certain on what the, the player list numbers will be for each club. So... There is still some uncertainty out there and, and the collective bargaining agreement too in the future is, is unclear. So put all those into the mix and the fact that the clubs had to push back money so much last year means there isn't as much cash ready out there to, to spend on some guys to lure them around. Mm. Hey, we know that the uh, underage players didn't get much footy at all um, last year. It's shaping to be similar this year, is it, Cow? So some postponing of some big games, including uh, the Allies, who were set to play Vic Metro this weekend. That's been cancelled due to COVID. Is there concerns that they're not getting enough footy in? Yeah, I think that would be a concern from recruiters, for sure. And they're probably ready at this point of the year. Well, they definitely are ready to have that next test. I mean, we've seen... A lot of the big names in terms of the draft pool play at lower levels and NAB League level and in South Australia, the under-18s competition there in Western Australia, the Colts competition, and probably show that they're ready for the next step and the next step up. Now, that won't come until later this year. That was the plan all along that the championship, the under-19 championships would be in the second half of the year. I guess a risk with that, though, as we've clearly found out across this season, has been that, you know a breakout of COVID-19 in certain states can mean that that can be delayed and delayed and pushed back. And that's what's happened this week. As you say, the under-19s was meant to start in the Gold Coast with the Vic Metro and Allies game. That's been rescheduled for, for coming weeks. Hopefully they can get that game off and running. But yeah, there is a feel that, you know, we're ready to see these guys level up a little bit and it, and it won't come uh, for a little bit longer than they might have hoped. 
So in its place is a, a challenge match between Vic Metro and Vic Country. That's at Windy Hill uh, tomorrow from midday. Uh, who are the names we need to keep a close eye on? From today, actually, at midday. So today. if you're listening, you can get down. Uh, get down and have a look at that one from midday. And or if you're not, uh, you can catch it on afl.com.au and the AFL Live app, the live stream there. Look, it's going to be a good game because it's a competitive squad from both Vic Metro and Vic Country. They had trial games a couple of weeks ago where there was two games and and two teams from each region. Now it's down to one, and we're seeing the best of the best from Victoria up against each other. A couple of guys that I'm excited to see. Campbell Chesser is back from a knee injury. He could be a top 10 to 15 pick. Just hasn't played too much this year. Josh Sin, uh, who started the year you know, right in the mix of that number one spot, he's back from a hamstring injury in recent weeks. He didn't play in the trial game a couple of weeks ago. He's you know, a lightning-quick player off half-back. He can really be a running-carry player. Uh, Josh Rochelle kicked six goals last week, came playing for the Murray Bush Rangers in the NAB League. So he's a small forward. I, I keep comparing him to Alan Didak, which is probably a bit of a stretch given these guys were born in 2003. But he's a bit of Toby Green about his, above, above his head as well as a small forward. And one that Melbourne supporters might keep an eye on as well is uh, just to make their last couple of days even better is Mac Andrew is back from concussion. Now, Mac Andrew, uh, multicultural talent who's from uh, the Africa region and, and also uh, is a part of their next generation academy now the interesting thing with him is that if as things go he looks like being a top 15 pick which would mean that the D's don't actually get access to him under NGO rules so he's almost going too well but uh, he's certainly a talent and a really exciting player that will be running around today in big country Nick, uh, Nick Dacos also didn't play in a, a trial game due to some soreness but he's back today as well so that'll be exciting for Pies fans yeah, he's a Jet. He, he's back. So he hasn't played for a couple of weeks. And Sam Darcy missed last week as well uh, with a calf injury. So he'll be playing a key forward. Obviously, those two are, are probably the th- among the three contenders for the number one pick. And the other one being uh, Jason Horn from South Adelaide, who's pieced together a, a pretty exciting season playing a full year of senior level uh, in the sample. So all very different players, but certainly Nick Dacos and, and Sam Darcy as father-sons Look, they're up there, but they're you know, going to be off, off limits, really, in terms of who's out there and who can grab them. So Jason Horn in the open pool, but certainly Nick Dacos as a, as a midfielder. There has been very few players come through the draft in recent years that have had as commanding and dominant seasons as him. And Sam Darcy, well, he kicked six goals in a trial game a couple of weeks ago. And since we sort of started watching him at the start of the season, it's been an amazing rise, really. So he's pushed himself right up the rungs of the draft and looks like being a top three pick now. Hey, what did you make of uh, Luke beverages comments may have been last week um he, he mentioned about clubs bidding on um the players that they have access to for example adelaide bidding on on Hugo hagen and not allowing them to the play that they end up selecting so riley philthorpe in that instance to be the number one pick which doesn't allow them to get the ten thousand dollar share portfolio or whatever it is from nab was it what is, was it a strange comment to make it was interesting, wasn't it? I mean, the Dogs are in a pretty privileged position given they get the number one pick, Jamari Hagen, who we will see debut this week um, through the Next Generation Academy rules, which have now been abolished. So that'll never happen again. And then they get a father-son uh, this year with potentially the number one, two or three selections. And they're probably the club that's benefited most from the father-sons. And it also gives them uh, a license to then go and trade out your first pick because they did that last year as part of the Trelaw deal. So really, having Jamara waiting in the wings allowed them to to get uh, Adam Trelaw at a pretty cheap value. This year, they can do that again with their first pick. So there's some real benefits to having these guys, obviously. 
as for his comments, I mean, every club sort of bids on players differently. Some are active bidders. Adelaide has been active bidders for the duration of the live bidding system. We've seen that through the Northern Academies coming through all those years ago. I think they bid on Harry Himmelberg a few years ago as well, who they really eyed off mm. as an early talent. So they've shown a tendency to do it. Other clubs don't like to get as involved in that as much. So everyone looks at that a little bit differently. But yeah, it's an interesting um, political move as well when you've got the number one pick. And I always thought that it would be unlikely that a club would, would move that number one pick and, and make it clear that that play was their second choice. In the end, the, the Crows did that with Hillthorpe. And yeah, it'd be interesting to know whether Riley Hillthorpe would have preferred to go number one. Um, I, I reckon he probably would have, but and he's probably mm. shown that he'd be worthy of that selection too. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, hey, who's got Collingwood's first pick? They, they traded out. The, the Giants have got that pick, don't they, which would, uh, at the moment, as it sits, be pick three in the draft. So not a bad move from them. Yeah, really savvy move in the middle of last year's draft to do that. The Pies traded out and had a big splash at last year's draft. So they did pick up some players and, and make a real impact to get, I think, four or five picks inside the top 30. And I picked up Reese McInnes, an academy player who we haven't seen yet. So they really identified last year's draft the Pies to, to make a real splash. But in doing that, they obviously had to move out their future first pick. And it's given the Giants at the moment, you know, around if they finished eighth, ninth, tenth, it could be two picks inside the top 10 or 11 selections. And um, we know the talent pool that they've had come through and it's sort of been a bit of a revolving door in terms of early picks because of those players leaving across the past couple of years. But yeah, it's uh, given them a position of strength and with pick three, uh, if it stays around that, that point, obviously Darcy and, and Dacos are basically off limits, but there are some other really good players in there. Finn Callahan, who won't play today due, due to a foot injury. He's among, among that group. Josh Gibkiss, a key back who reminds me a lot of uh, Darcy Moore with the way he flies to the ball and, and grabs his mark in defence. So there are a couple of names who should be right in the mix of that first pick if it remains around that spot. And pretty exciting for Dogs fans. As you mentioned, they're, they're flying. They're, they're second on the ladder at the moment. They've got young players coming out of their backside and their number one draft pick, Hugo Hagen's going to debut. What, what do you think we should expect? Or how ready is he to go at AFL level, do you think? Fascinating selection, this one, because you speak to clubs who were watching his VFL last week and they said he's pretty quiet. Um, obviously, the opportunity arises because of uh, Aaron Norton's injury. I think he could be one of those players. And look, this is based on seeing him at different levels over the over the past three, to, three or so years. I think he could be one of those players that actually does a little bit better at AFL level when the ball's delivered to him a little bit better. His strength is getting off, the, off his man with a real quick few steps and that are that athleticism and speed that he has. I mean, this is a guy who ran 2.93, I think, for 20 metres in the, the testing last year for a guy who's, you know, 200 centimetres tall. So he's a, an amazing athlete. And I think we'll see that on show at AFL level, maybe more than VFL level, which is a different brand of footy. So I'm excited to see what he does. It wouldn't surprise me if he hit the scoreboard because he's always been able to do that. It doesn't take too many opportunities to do that. And he generally is a guy that once he finds his groove can hit the scoreboard pretty regularly. So... Yeah, I'm excited to see how he goes, and yeah, well done to the dogs. I mean, this is they've made him wait, and they haven't had to rush him. It's been such a unique year for a number one pick, hasn't it? Because mm. it's so rare that the number one pick goes to a, a premiership contender, and at sometimes a, a premiership favourite. So yeah, they get to blood him in now, and and if he gets a bit of a run at it, then who knows what sort of impact he could have in the last six weeks of the season. So, mate, you'll be heading down to Windy Hill today. How can we watch and catch up with this a big game for for the youngsters today? Yeah, it'd be a great game. So 
catch that one on afl.com.au or the AFL Live official app from 12pm Eastern Standard Time. So live commentary, all the game, all the footage, all the highlights. Everything you need to know about these kids will be on there. So tune in there and and, uh, enjoy some of the next generation. Awesome, mate. Great coverage as always. KowToomeyAFL.com.au joining us this morning that game. The country match, they're calling it a challenge match actually between Vic Metro and Vic Country, as he said on the website from Windy Hill at midday. If you want to get a glimpse of the next generation, did he just say they're born in 2003? These ones being drafted. Oh, that that uh, that is frightening. Hey, we'd love your calls. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Heaps of texts coming through as well. G'day, Kane. Why would Scott Pendlebury and Alistair Clarkson catch up for coffee at a coffee shop? Surely their private residence would be smarter. Collingwood have bluffed the Hawks with the Mitchell calls. Pendles and Clarko have been catching up, have they? A bit of a, a word on the street for you there at a public coffee shop. Maybe they're just good mates and, and talking some footy. But Scott Pendlebury did say during the week, didn't he, that his um, post-playing career will be in coaching. Good stuff. Good rumours uh, coming through this morning, thick and fast. 18 minutes past 10 o'clock. We've got a massive morning coming up. We'd love your thoughts, and you can join in the conversation as always on 1300 736 736. On ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. It's 23 minutes past 10 o'clock. Amazingly, with everything that's gone on this year, the Saints are half a game outside of the eight. They've won their last two against Richmond and Collingwood and finals very, very much back on the radar. One of their most reliable and really good players is a is a good story that he's got. Our next guest, Callum Wilkie, is his name. Hey, Cow, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Callum. Thanks for having me. Last fortnight's been a bit better. Yeah, it definitely has. Um, you know, last fourteen performance against Richmond, which is something that we haven't seen from from us all year. So it was good to put that performance together, and then yeah, good three quarters against Collingwood, but a bit disappointing to you know finish the way we did. Something we you know need to improve on. Yeah, how did you how did you dissect that performance? Because as you say, for three quarters, I mean, it was a commanding, comprehensive performance, but. Uh, it did sort of all stop in the last quarter. So what was the review like uh, post that Collingwood game last Sunday? Yeah, it's just, you know, when you get in those positions, um, you know, when you got the team um, on the throw, is to just, you know, keep the process and keep, you know, being competitive and put the team away. So I guess we sort of went away um, from what got us to that point in the first three quarters and probably, you know, try to play a bit safe and... Um, so, yeah, it was just looking at that and, and looking at ways, you know, we can improve and, and, and put a team to the sword um, when we've got them in that position. It's interesting with, with teams getting run-ons and sort of defending momentum. Similar thing happened to you in round 13 against Adelaide where you, you know, dominated and I think it was you know, 36 to 0 or something ridiculous to start that game, but you couldn't stop that momentum. What can you do as a playing group and how do you work on that at training to halt that? Yeah, I guess, you know, there's a few things you can do. I guess you sort of look at the method in terms of the way you go about it when you do, when those teams have got to run on, you know, whether you, you know, play a bit more defensively or, or the other way, you've got to be, um, you got to be offensively and try and, you know, meet fire with fire in a way. So, you know, it's just trying to figure out what works for us. We probably, when we've got in those positions, sort of lost all the key stats in terms of contested ball clearances um, and then our ball movement becomes stagnant from there. So, 
it's probably just, you know, getting back to that being competitive, that contested ball, and I guess, you know, getting the ball forward, um, you know, which is probably going to help us get out of the momentum. And then, you know, on top of that, if you can score, that obviously really wrestles the momentum back. Feels like you're, you're playing back to your strength as a side. Like, I don't think you're a flashy side with, you know, significant highlights or any, you know, great speed or you know, any sort of real superstars in the lineup. But what you are when you're at your best is tough and competitive and to score from stoppage and, and Ryder and Marshall help. But Dunstan's been important. Crouch has been in good form. Did you feel that? You're back to that blue collar sort of stuff that made you so strong last year? Yeah, definitely, in, in a way. You know, we've still got lots to, lot to improve, um, like those fade-outs that we've had, that we've just spoken about. But, yeah, you know, having Ryder and Marshall back, you know, they're awesome duo. Um, Luke Dunstan's been, yeah, you're right, been amazing in there. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Once we get that contested ball, that competitiveness back, um, you know, sort of getting back to how we were playing last year. And, yeah, we went away from that for, I guess, periods of games and, and whole games um, earlier on in the year. So, we just try to bring that consistently going forward. Pretty good test as well. Like the right time to get Brisbane, you'll, you'll sort of find out where, where you're at. How have you assessed, I mean, their, their form, they're one of the best three teams in the competition, clearly, but their midfield strength is there. And you'll have your task cut out for it because the forward line, their forward line, that is, is functioning particularly well. Yeah, definitely. They're in, um, they're in pretty good form, um, Brisbane. So, yeah, you know, we've done some, done our research on them um they've got a good forward line so they're gonna you know give us a good test but it's gonna be a real good test for the boys you know can to see we just to respond and, and hopefully bring a four quarter effort i love your story like it's a it's an amazing one it's one of persistence it's a great lesson for players who are overlooked in drafts and it takes them a little bit longer i actually caught up with josh carr last week and i don't think i'd be yeah. speaking out of school for the influence that he has had on you. I mean, he, he almost urged a couple of clubs to take a risk on you. Premiership player under him at North Adelaide in 2018. Pick three in the rookie draft in that year. Um, it's, been, it's been one of persistence for you. Can, you. can you take us through some of the challenges that you've faced to get to this point? Yeah, I guess, you know, missing out on the draft when I was 18. Um, you know, it's disappointed. Like, most people have probably missed out on but sort of just, I just went away and, um, just wanted to get back enjoying footy, and I guess that's what I did at North Adelaide with my best mate. And Josh Carr came along, and he's probably been the most um, influential figure um, in terms of my footy. So yeah, I owe a lot to him. He sort of was the one who sort of, I guess, gave me the confidence, knowing I could probably make AFL uh, when I probably didn't think I would. So yeah, I owe a lot to him. Um, he instilled so much confidence in me. Um, and, you know, allowed me to, you know, show my strengths and, and improve my weaknesses. So, yeah, no, nah, I owe a lot to him. But, you know, I guess I, I wasn't really trying really hard to, to make it to the next level. I just wanted to, you know, get back, play good footy and enjoy it with my best mates. And I feel like that's what made me play my best footy is, is having fun and realising why I played footy to begin with. Watching you play, it doesn't seem to be too many weaknesses in your game. Like you're so strong one on one, you take the big jobs, you use the footy well, you're rarely beaten. So, so what was it that held you back? Do you think? Probably because I'm the slowest person in the AFL. No, is that is that is that right? Or because it doesn't appear that way? But did you test no, that way well, at draft camps? Well, yeah, I mean, I was, I'm not the quickest over the 20 meter, and probably wasn't as fit. Um, 
back then to begin with. I, you know, I came to I came to Saints pretty pretty unfit, um, and I guess that's what and and skinny as well, which I probably still am. But um, yeah, I've, I've grown a lot in that space. But you know, that was probably a big knock on me, and probably the size as well. You know, being a bit undersized for the position position I play, so probably those two things. Hey, any thought you could just drift down and, and kick your first goal in AFL footy, 56 games? <laughs> have you have you been clo- You haven't scored yet, Cow. Come on, you've you got to get no, down no. there, push forward. Right. Well, I don't think I've been inside the forward 50 yet, so <laughs> I don't think that's happening anytime soon. I think Rap would be, you know, a bit rattled if you saw me hanging around the 50 mark, so he'd probably tell me to get back. So I don't know when that's going to happen, if that's ever going to happen, but it doesn't bother me as long as someone else kicks the goals and we win. Exactly right. I think they're pretty happy with you patrolling the defensive 50. As I said, great story. Thanks for sharing part of it with us. Uh, uh, it's great to see the Saints just turn their corner a little bit and keep that finals hopes alive. Huge game against the Lions on Saturday night. Cal, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Cal. Thanks for having me. Taking your calls right now on one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 You can change direction in any way that you'd like. Ash Barty through to the Wimbledon final. Caught a bit of that on the, the back of when I got home from the footy last night. Gee, she's so impressive. As is Angie Kerber, by the way. She's one of my favourites as well. Grand Slam champion, of course, at the Australian Open and at Wimbledon. Made it even more impressive from Ash, who was challenged during, during that second set. What a performance and turning out to be one of our greatest athletes of all time. You can have your say on that. You can also speak tennis. Nick Kyrgios not going to the Olympics. And for those that were outraged about Ben Simmons, are you equally as outraged for Nick Kyrgios turning his back on his country and not going? He reckons he's not going because he doesn't want to play in front of an empty stadium. Chris is on the Gold Coast. The Brisbane skipper, Chris, is playing game number 200 this weekend, isn't he? You want to speak about Dane Zorko? Yeah, mate. Yeah, he's uh, he's an old friend of mine. I played football with him growing up, and uh, it's just I'm so proud of him to mm. get to that achievement. He was um, overlooked in several several drafts, um, and finally got his chance. And um, since 2000, and well, he's been good the whole time. But since 2018, since he took over the captaincy halfway through the year, um, you can see how spiking our performance. So. Um, he was an all-round uh, all, all guru. Um, I could, I've still never beaten him a game of tennis in my life. And he was a gun indoor cricketer. cricketer. Um, I've seen him hit five sixes in an over one day and then get caught in the boundary going for the six. Um, and, yeah, he took five wickets and wicket-keeped as well. So absolute guru and just um, really, really proud of his achievement. Yeah, and you should be because um, he's a four-time. He's been a, a very good captain of that club, and they're they're flying. So everything about Brisbane, I like. I, I really like the coach. I like the leadership of the group. I like the way that they play the footy and the style. And there's a, a minimum of fuss and ego, lack of ego about what is happening at Brisbane. And we mentioned earlier on in the week when I was filling in for Jared, the players who deserve a flag in 2021, who are who are in contention. So. Not in order, but I reckon that these are the ones that sort of spring to mind. Robbie Gray, um, but I don't think he's going to have much luck with Port Adelaide. He's injured at the moment. Patrick Dangerfield, absolutely, at Geelong, deserves one. Travis Boak does. Your man, Dane Zorko, Chris, definitely. Nathan Jones from the D's. Nick Natanui and Nat Fife, not that Fremantle you would think would feature. But 0433981116 for temper, a mattress like no other. The players this year that are in contention and realistic chance of winning one who deserves one 
Dane Zorko, absolutely. Rick is on the road. Nick Kyrgios isn't going to the Olympics. Rick, does it bother you? No. I don't know why, why it bothers you so much to be able to say he's not going to represent or let his country down. I don't know why you use those I didn't, I didn't, words. I didn't, I didn't use yeah, hang that. On, I didn't, hang on, I didn't, hang, hang on. Hang on. Don't say things that I didn't say first. I said I'm disappointed. Okay, so I'm disappointed. Just, yep. just let me clarify because you got it wrong. I'm disappointed okay. he's not representing his country. I didn't say he's letting his country down, Rick. So get it right first oh, and now okay, you can have okay. your say. Okay. Sorry, sorry, Kane. Okay. Okay, I just want to say I love listening to you, mate. You're the best best morning uh, guy that I like listening to. Every fight I look forward to. I just want to say that right now. Oh, mate, you're the best, right? But I've got to pull you up on – he represents the country all year when he's playing. So there are lots of other players that aren't representing their country at the Olympics in tennis – I don't know if Roger Federer is going. I don't know if Nadal's going. There's lots of other big players that aren't going. Now, we represent their countries all year round. There's no spectators. It's a COVID, pretty bad COVID country at the moment. It's not exactly Tyson to want to be there. Hmm. He's injured. Just get over it, mate. Move on. Who cares? Well, he's going, he's going to... Yeah, that, that would be fine if, if Nick was in Australia and he was worried about COVID and all those types of things. He's just flown to the UK where there's, what, 30,000 cases a day. He's now going to Atlanta where he's enrolled in another tournament at the same time the Olympics is on. So it's not as if he's you know sitting back and he's worried about his health and he's in Australia like he was last year. He's actually in COVID hotspots left, right and centre. So I'm not sure using that as an excuse is, is legitimate. And does he represent his country all year round? Maybe. Um, look, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I just think for those that were so critical and up in arms about Ben Simmons not going, where are you now? Well, why, why is no one upset about Nick not going? It's a it's a bit hypocritical for me, is all I'm saying. But as I said, Rick, I'm, I'm not going to lose any sleep of it. I'm comfortable with what Nick is and what he will continue to be. And that's okay. 0433981116, you can have your say. Thanks for your call, mate. Appreciate it. Let's go to Andrew, who also wants to speak about Nick. Hi, Andrew. Morning, Kane. Look, I'm a bit annoyed with you this morning. Um, I've been listening to your program, which is a great program. Jeez, what have I done now? Uh, well, it's about Nick Kyrgios and this, 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 uh, the Simmons uh, analogy or trying to link them together. The issue with Nick is, uh, and, and I think that uh, your comments in relation to wrapping around, you know, like unde- it's, uh, it's unpatriotic type comments, that he ha- he's, he's turning his back on Australia and all these sort of comments. I think you need to, you should have coached, uh, put it a different way um, are, are people annoyed that he hasn't taken up? It's not that, uh, about um, country. Um, and, and Hewitt was very... It wasn't liked for a long time in Australia because of his antics. And he won people over because he did play for Australia. And he was a good tennis player. But uh, Ben Simmons, well, look, people make choices. We all make choices in life. Um, and, um, and we're all individuals. And, and you might not um, agree with someone's position, but you know, you've got to accept what they do. Um, uh, yeah, and I, I, as, as I said, Andrew, I'm, I've, I've accepted what Nick is and I'm comfortable with it. I just find it bemusing that a week ago, everyone's up in arms and talk back on this station is going off about Ben Simmons not going and Nick Kyrgios never goes and no one, no one blinks an eye. It's, it's very similar, similar age. Um, it's not the pinnacle of, of basketball to go to the Olympics, certainly not the pinnacle of tennis. So there's, there, I think there's a lot of similarities between both, yet no one seems to be worried that Nick isn't going. 
for some reason, um, but they're really concerned about Ben not going. It's a, it's a strange one for me. Uh, but as I said, I'm not going to lose one bit of sleep over Nick Kyrgios not going to the Olympics. Billy is on the line. Zach Butters is on your radar. Billy, your thoughts? Yeah, okay. No, just, I'm not a Port supporter, but I just sort of, even though he's a great player, I think they should be putting Zach Butters in cotton ball now for next season. Just cause it seems to be breaking down. I think he's behind, playing behind the eight ball each day mm-hmm. now, trying to come back. I think he's just missed a bit too much footy, and I'm just worried he's going to keep breaking down. So I think... I just want your opinion whether they should just put him in cotton ball now, just get him really right for next season. Yeah, it's not a silly thing to yeah. say. I think that the club would say, well, we, how could we prevent that injury? It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a soft tissue injury. It wasn't an injury due to lack of preparation. It was almost a freak one. So he's taken the mark and landed awkwardly and twisted his knee. I mean, you know, these these types of things happen. But he is that important to them that you wouldn't be taking any risk with him, Billy. So it's not a silly thing you say, but the club would defend that and say, well, some things and some injuries are a little bit out of our control. We'll get to uh, Graham and Ben and also Frank's in Coburg. He wants to speak about a few rule changes as well and what he would make. And Mark's also given us a buzz about the Olympics as well. 19 minutes to 11, one 736 736 Your call's next. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. And if you're heading to the footy uh, to see the Bombers and the Crows tonight or the Dogs and Swans at Marvel Stadium, all the Blues and the Cats, the Tigers and the Pies at the MCG, you can get and listen to the SEM Stadium call. You've just got to download the SEN app to listen to the call play-by-play. No delay. It's a game-changer. Try the SEN Stadium this week, let's get to Werribee and speak to Jason, who wants to speak about Buddy Franklin. Your thoughts, Jace? Oh, I just think... Um... We all thought he was pretty much cooked at the start of the year. Um, yeah, I did. And uh, look at him go now, you know. There's a good chance he's going to fulfil his contract and um, he looks he looks in really good nick. Yeah, I had some concerns earlier. I saw him, I can't remember who it was at the MCG and he just wasn't comfortable at all you know, having a shot from 50. I thought, oh, gee, his body's, you know, he's not confident in his body. But, yeah, certainly the last month or so has been really important and, and Sydney are flying. They've been such an impressive unit this year, Sydney. You'd love to see Buddy get to that thousand. Probably not this year, but next year that will happen. Absolutely. Good call, Jace. Let's go to Sydney who uh, and speak to Graham, who has the swans on his radar also. Hi, Graham. Uh, Kane, how are you? Good, thank um, you. Yeah, look, one of the things um, I remember from a couple of weeks ago, you were um, like most of us, a bit disappointed by the Hawthorne game and you predicted that the swans would fall out of the eight. How do you see their progress and um, with the run that they've got? Well, I don't have their I don't have their fixture right in front of me, but you're right. I was they look they look vulnerable. I mean, I don't think I was the only one to think that uh, Sydney looked vulnerable. They did have a tough draw coming up. They take on the Western Bulldogs, which is going to be difficult this weekend, of course. Beyond that, I'll, as I said, don't have it in front of me. Giants are in that as well. Who knows where that game will be played? I guess the distraction of being on the road for so long. They're now talking about getting the Sydney players' families into a harbour and the prospect of them not going home at all for a long time, you would think, is there, which will be difficult. But as I said, they've been the team that's probably, um, you know, certainly the top one or two that have impressed me the most this year, Graham, You should be pretty proud of, of your Swans and the season that they're having. Ben's in Roville. G'day, Ben. Okay, how are you going? Good, thank you. That's good. Um, just quickly, uh, I've got another listener, mate, who's just uh, listening as well. So, hey, John, how are you going? Good, um, Johnny. Now, the the uh, 
the dogs. Um, I'm not a dog supporter, but they've got, obviously, Jamara coming in this week. Uh, they've got Norton, who's injured. Uh, Bruce, can they fit all three of those in the same team, plus Darcy next year? Well, that, that this, so this was my point um, earlier on in the year um, with the players that they've got. Now, Sam Darcy, just looking at him, looks like he's going to take you know, certainly one or two seasons probably to fill out, so they've probably got some time there to let him develop. But they're going to have four genuine key forwards and very good ones on their list. And they need, I think they need a key defender as well. So I'm not sure how they do that and go about it. Um, but that was the point, and that's why I guess the name Hugo Hagen came up. Would you consider and would you have a look at trade offers for him, considering the tall forward stocks that you've got and the lack of height that there is in defence? So I don't think they can play all three of them, Ben, to answer your question when Norton comes back. Um, either Bruce or, or Hugo Hagen, probably the latter, will have to go out of that side for the finals. Let's go to Strathmore and speak to Mark. Has the Olympics lost its touch, Mark? Yeah, hey, Cornsey. Um, I just think, oh, firstly, good luck to all the Olympians in a couple of weeks. But um, I'm not sure what you think, but I think 90% of the Australians don't really give a rat's toss about the Olympics anymore. <sighs> it's, it's, it has lost a, a, a little bit of interest in it. I, look, I think when it's on, we'll all, be, we'll all jump on again. Uh, it's in a really good time slot. Um, and, you know, I think... We'll, we love our sport, so we'll absolutely watch it, um, and we'll be, you know, certainly be big talking points out of it. But in the lead up to it, have we ever really spoken much about the Olympics? I can't remember. I do remember as a kid getting up as you know a ten-year-old and in the middle of the night setting the alarm to get up and watch the Aussie athletes, the swimmers, and the rowers. Used to absolutely love it. Has it lost a bit of that? Maybe, but I reckon when it comes around, um, people will be craving the Olympics, and we'll certainly get right into it and right behind it for that two weeks. That it is on. I'm certainly looking forward to doing it. Nick's in Adelaide. Do you want to speak about Nick Kyrgios, who's not going to the Olympics, Nick? Yeah, hi, Kane. Look, I've been following the game of tennis for 40 years, and let's, let's not kid ourselves. You can't really compare basketball with tennis because basketball's elite international team sport uh, trophy is the Olympics, where tennis, the elite international, is the Davis Cup. Not only that, but when it comes to these, uh, these Olympic Games, tennis players have never really taken it seriously. So, and look, Nick, Nick Kyrgios, to me, is just is an entertainer, the Harlem Globetrotters of tennis. That's all he really is. So don't take it seriously. The, uh, tennis shouldn't be taken seriously in the Olympics anyway. It's Grand Slams and Davis Cup, which matter to a tennis player. Yeah, no, I, I, think, I think you're right. But in terms of basketball as well, I still think certainly the American players would rather win an NBA championship than they would an Olympic gold medal, I, you know, I may be wrong in that, but I, I would guess that would be the case. So don't think it's the, the pinnacle as well um, for some basketballers anyway. Uh, eight minutes to 11, we'll get to Johnny and Frank on the other side of this. After 11 o'clock, we will speak some NBA. Dean Vickerman is the Melbourne United coach, of course. He'll join us from the Sporting Globe. The NBA Finals Game 2 gets underway very, very shortly. And Matty Clark, speaking of the Olympics, just a, a terrific story one of persistence, uh, one of patience, and one of triumph in the end, he will join us. He's off to the Olympics. This is the captain's run. It's eight minutes to 11. Let's turn our attention to the Olympics because this is one of the great stories. Matty Clark is a 3,000-metre steeplechaser. He punched his ticket to Tokyo in the last couple of days. He joins us. Uh, Matty, congratulations, mate, and thanks for your time. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on, Cornsey. 
What a ride it's been for you. Um, your emotions in the last couple of weeks. So j- just to go through it briefly, you, you, you dropped an absolute bomb a, a few weeks back where you ran a 10-second PB in the 3,000 steeplechase, which put you just point six two of a second outside automatic qualification for the Olympics. You went again a few days later. You got within 0.16 of the qualifying time. It didn't quite get there. Then you went again on a rainy day in Adelaide and, and just missed out. How's it been? What's the ride been like? Oh, it's, it's been an absolute roller coaster. Like, um, as you said, I, I had to run a huge PB just to even get myself in a, in a consideration. And a lot, of, a lot of people didn't really think I could do it. So I went out there, smashed the 10-second PB, missed the auto-qualified by what I thought was the finest of margins at the time, but then obviously backed up and found out that you can get actually closer without getting it. So um, that was a roller coaster in itself. And then um, obviously when uh, the, the selection window started closing, I didn't have the automatic time. Um, I, was, I was relying on um, roll-down quota positions, which are basically just the, um, the ranking points in the world where they, they fill the rest of the field. And um, when they did the initial team selection, I'd finished 46 and they take 45. So I'd missed that one by one place as well. Yeah. So then... It was literally only with hours to go that, that they Athletics Australia called me and said, um, someone's pulled out overseas and we have a quota spot for you. So it's, it's been an absolute wild ride last week. That, well, that moment then, uh, when you received that phone call, you, you would have thought all hope was gone and you'd given it everything and the dream was over. So what, what, what were you feeling when you got that news? Yeah, so um, I'd had a bit of communication with Athletics Australia and they said, look, if a quota spot does open up, like it, it can go to you. But obviously, you know, it relies on that quota spot opening up and um, I, was, I was watching it pretty closely and there was obviously no movement really at all. And then um, so when I saw the phone call come in on the last day, I was like, all right, well, here comes the bad news. <laughs> and, um, you know, they asked me, oh, how are you going? I was like, oh... Been all right. It's obviously been a pretty long week, and he goes, um, "Well, you better perk yourself up because I've got some good news for you." And I, I just couldn't believe it. Like I just, I just got so emotional. I just melted. I, I couldn't believe. I couldn't even comprehend in the moment what had just happened. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing story. So the selection process is interesting in itself. So the other two steeplechases that are going, you're much faster than that. I'm right in saying that your form has been better, but because of perhaps your race selection and the rankings point system and the way that it works, they had the spots ahead of you. Uh, in hindsight, could you have selected your races differently or are you as confused by the selection process as what we are? Um, I definitely could have selected. Oh, actually, the, the, one of the staple chases going, Ed, Ed Trippers, he, he did actually run the qualifiers. He, he, he has got a slightly better time than me. Right. But yeah, the, um, I am faster than the other Australian, Ben Buckingham, who did initially get selected. And um, basically, yeah, if you don't if you don't run the automatic time, it, you're right, it relies on um, points accumulation, which is a mixture of your performance score and as well the bigger races have high bonus points depending on where you finish. And, and you're right, at, at, at the time, we kind of thought, oh, we should be okay staying in Australia and, and getting a few points. But we really underestimated um, how many points were, offer, were on offer in Europe. And actually chatting to my coach after I got selected, he goes, I think we actually did make a mistake. And if I realised how many points there were on offer in Europe, I probably would have sent you over there. Mm. The, the event itself, it's brutal, really. Like, try running 3,000 metres, so 3Ks flat out, but then doing it over hurdles and, and over a water jump. How did you get into steeple? Um, so, 
three years ago, oh, so four years ago, um, I'd, I'd had a good track season over the 1500 and um, I'd finished ninth at nationals in that. And I was having a chat to my coach at the time, Justin Rinaldi, and we were chatting about how I probably didn't have quite enough speed and potential in that to ever make a major team. And he goes, if, if you want to make it, you've either got to go to uh, the 10K or the steeplechase. And I just, I, I wasn't sure if I really had the the fitness potential to make in the 10K. And I thought maybe if, if I'm lucky and I've got the coordination that to, to make it in the steeplechase, that could be the event. So I knuckled down, did a lot of technical work and, um, Luckily, that, that turned out really well. Had a good season from there, and I guess the rest is history. How, how difficult is the event? Like, when do you, when do you really start to, to feel the pinch? Um, oh, it's, it's funny, you know. Sometimes, sometimes you have these races. You just, like, the, the first race I had in um, Townsville, you, when you're on, you have an adrenaline rush at times, and you just feel like you can't get tired, and you're just throwing yourself, throwing yourself at it, like pushing yourself faster and faster and faster. You just, I, I don't think I can get tired. But then you have other races as well where, where you don't have that, which is probably the, the majority of races. And you're, you're definitely hurting at least probably halfway through to a K to go. But like, luckily, I actually find a steeple is a good distraction. So instead mm. of focusing on the hurt, you're, you're thinking about no, attack the next barrier. You're thinking about your form and technique. And it kind of gives you a little, little small goals throughout the race, so you're not focusing on how fatigued and tired you're getting. Matty Clark is an Australian Olympian now. We can say that he's qualified in the 3,000 metre steeplechase. He'll be heading to Tokyo in what was such a story of persistence. How did you go backing up? So you ran that uh, the 8:22:62. Then you're following a couple of days. I'm not sure exactly how many days after it was. You lowered the time. Then you went again. I mean, you, you must have recovered pretty well. Yeah, definitely between the first two races, I, I think I recovered really well. And um, I think it shows that going to the Olympics, if I can make it into the final, that I've, I've got that ability to back up well. Um, I think three races, though, and um, so bet- between the second race and the third race, I only had a 38-hour turnaround plus travelling into state. And I think no, that, I was probably pushing the barrier a bit fine. I was getting a bit desperate at that point, and that, and that probably showed in that race being a, a considerably slower than the other races. But um, I, was, I was pretty happy. Yeah, but between the week apart between the first two races, I was, I was able to back up really well. What does it look like now, mate? What, what, so only weeks away from heading over there. What, what's your schedule look like now? Um, for being selected later, I, in, in, in a way, it almost makes it a bit easier in the sense that you just kind of go into autopilot. So um, the last week's basically just been getting told, all right, get your stuff together because I'm, I'm going to Cairns tomorrow. Um, for a holding camp um, mm-hmm. so I'll be there for two weeks before I fly to Japan via Sydney and then I fly in a few uh, three days before my race I'll do my race and then um, hang around for four days and then fly home and do two weeks quarantine so it's, it's really just autopilot mode at the moment it's not much to think about which is probably nice the achievement's amazing. Is it a little bit, I guess, a little bit flattening for all the athletes with those restrictions? So to be an Olympian, to, to only sort of experience four days, to get in, to get out, tested the restrictions that you're under, we all, we all understand it. But does that is that a little bit anticlimactic for you or not? You're just that thrilled to be there. It doesn't matter. Um, look, I can, I can definitely see for the vast majority of athletes going probably thinking like that but for me I'm, I'm really looking at it as a blessing I was having a terrible season last year actually I'd only run mm. 8.56 so I'm looking at this as like my, my second chance and um, I wouldn't be here 
if the Olympics went ahead as normal. So I'm I'm kind of pinching myself that I'm I'm going at all. But but definitely, yeah, with all the restrictions, you know, you're missing out on the opening ceremony, closing ceremony. The whole village is going to be completely different. Um, it really like fires me up to to try and push for Paris in three years' time and have you know my good friends and family come watch me as well. Hopefully. Yeah, well, you're still so young, 21 years of age. You're also a podiatrist at a uh, practice here in Adelaide. Work would have been supportive, no doubt. So you, you're capable of just dropping everything and work and heading to Cairns tomorrow, as you said, and then putting your life on hold for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate that my um, employers are really supportive of me. So um, I think not everyone is fortunate to be in a position that their their boss will just say, yep, you can take three weeks of work to, t- to try and chase a qualifier and then come back for two weeks and then give you five more weeks off work. But, um, you know, they, they've been extremely supportive of me throughout the whole way through and I, I wouldn't have been here without them. You mentioned you, you ran 8.56 last year. That 30 seconds, like, it's, it's massive. We're talking, that's huge margins. What what has been the catalyst for that, to, for such an improvement? Um... There's, there's certainly been a few factors. I think one of the major factors, though, is um, I started working with a, a sports psychologist over here in Adelaide, Chris Hamilton, and mm. um, he's really just worked on um, ways for me to approach races in a more systematic approach, be less emotional, and try and be a bit more consistent in my racing and um, really look at it as more of like a, a job and a process rather than um, this huge... Uh, emotional event and, and I think that's that's really clicked well for me getting getting the most out of myself and um, as, as well as, as on top of that I, I moved over from Melbourne last year so oh, at, the, at the start of last year so I think just settling into Adelaide a little bit better um, settling into my job settling into like where I live now and kind of finding my own little niche in Adelaide has made me a lot more comfortable to focus on my on my training and racing a lot better. It's an inspirational story, mate. It just goes to show how much being an Olympian means to so many athletes. Um, you never, we well, didn't think it would happen. It did. You so well deserved with it. Um, you're absolutely flying with your running. It's, um, as I said, so well deserved. We appreciate you sharing your story with us this morning. Thanks very much, Cornsy. He's an Olympian now. Matty Clark is his name. Had three cracks in the space of about a week to knock off 0.16 of a second to get the qualifier. Didn't quite get there, but a spot opened up at the last minute, and he was the 45th one to take that, and he's off to Tokyo. That's how much it means to a lot of athletes to represent their countries, and you can see why. The Captain's Run with Kane Corns. What happens is, you know, from a media perspective, we, we worry on the outcome. We're about the journey. You know, for us, those challenging conversations, you know, it might, we always talk about a lag effect. They don't necessarily change in one week. It might take two, three or four. Uh, we're hoping it comes sooner rather than later. But the fact of the matter is, We've got a really good understanding of when we play our best footy, what it looks like. We've just got to find that within ourselves. You know, confidence is an amazing thing in AFL footy. You can sometimes lose it really quickly, but you can also regain it at the flick of a switch also. So we're just uh, making sure we're training well. You know, boys have had a great week on the track. Last week they had a great week as well. So we're just hoping that um, that lag that we spoke about is, is starts to come to fruition. Uh, we start to play better footy, sorry, this week. Damien Hardwick speaking, the Richmond coach, at his press conference this morning.
Tigers fans, can they bounce back and turn it around? Let us know. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Dave is in Elwood. You want to speak about Nick uh, Kyrgios and Ben Simmons and the comparison, Dave? Yeah, I just got two quick points, Kane. Um, clearly, you don't like Nick Kyrgios, which is fair enough. You're in the opinion business. But the Aussie public actually does. So the Aussie public gives Nick Kyrgios the benefit of the doubt. Geez, they've changed then, Dave. No, they do. The, the surveys, everybody's turned around on Nick Kyrgios. He's a, they've understood what he, where he's at. He's never going to be a champion. He's an entertainer. But he's also given Australia great service in the Labor Cup, the Davis Cup. He's put himself out there to play for Australia. The feedback is he's a great teammate. Ben Simmons never put himself out to play for Australia. Always been a lot of trouble. Okay, so that's that. But my second point came, and um, didn't, my nephew didn't put me on Didn't Nick Kyrgios have no, la- didn't he have troubles last time with the with the Olympics and, and not going and arguments and all sorts of things? I'm not sure he's always Kane, put his country Kane, first, and he's he's also banned from playing Davis Cup at one point, wasn't he? After he had a crack at the Davis Cup captain Leighton Hewitt. So I'm not sure what you're saying is exactly true. Okay, all right, that's my opinion. You've got yours. That's fair enough. But the other reason we're in Kane, my nephew put me onto this really funny Twitter account. It's called AFL Great Kane Corns. And it was it's hilarious. But after about three or four days, it got censored by Twitter and it's not on there anymore. So I'm asking you the question, did you have it, uh, did you complain about it and are you a person that can give it out and not take it and are you precious? I'm not aware of the account. Dave, so you'd have to explain it to me. It wasn't something that I followed, so it wasn't the first time, hand on heart, I've known about that Twitter account is is when you're saying now, and I'm not sure Twitter would listen to me um, with me complaining. So, so old mate Jack from Twitter, who's invented it, I'm sure he's got bigger fish to fry than me complaining about a Twitter account that I didn't even know existed. But uh, thank you for your call, as much as you've been a smartass. Let's go to Anook in Perth. Hi, Anook. G'day, Kane. Love your work as always. Good, um, mate. I wanted to talk about the Clarko thing. I've been loving the debate lately. But um, here's a little theory that no one's sort of talked about. Um, what if the Hawks are bluffing with uh, this whole Clarko situation? You know, um, back in, uh, I think it was 2010, when uh, Jeff uh, told Clarko to go back to Box Hill, um, you know, Clarko turned around and um, gave him three premierships in a row. Um, Jeff can't do that anymore. So maybe Mitchell's um, got this offer from Collingwood, so they've turned around and said, "Hang on, let's work on something." Um, I'll tell you what. What if you what if you get yourself into the top four, or or you know in a, in a final next year, maybe you can keep your job. Because I guarantee you, if Clarko's at Hawthorne next year, there's something there's a carrot there for him. So you think it's all a bluff and the big announcement, the media conference is just a, a bit of a carrot to Clarko to get them back in the top four and then he holds his job and Mitchell goes somewhere else. It's a, it's a big accusation, I reckon, and look, I think they're pretty steadfast in, in the succession plan that they've got happening and it's just whether Alistair Clarkson will see that through. His management said yesterday that he will and he'll honour that contract. And there's also a school of thought that Hawthorne have almost done this to flush Alistair Clarkson out in the fact that they'd love him to coach another team next year so they don't have his $1.2 million on their books next year and that will be another club's issue and Sam Mitchell could be coaching uh, next year. Who knows? We'll find out pretty soon, I reckon. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your thoughts. Let's go to Dave, who also wants to speak about Nick Kyrgios. Your thoughts, Dave? Good day, mate. How are you doing, Kane? Good, thank you. 
Uh, like Newton, you keep calling him the great Australian. Did you know Lake Newton and Pat Arthur were residents of Bermuda because it was a tax haven? Uh, Bahamas, I think. Oh, Bahamas. So you're still calling him a great Australian even though he dodged taxes? Well, I'm not, sure if, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure if that's the reason. I'm not factually sure if that's the reason he lived in the Bahamas, Dave. I'm not sure he wouldn't be the first sportsman to move to a country with better tax restrictions, if that is the reason. But, yeah, I am calling Leighton Hewitt a great Australian. Absolutely. Leighton Hewitt is one of the best Australian sportsmen that I've ever seen. And you won't hear me say a bad word about him, but thank you for your thoughts. Yamari uh, Hagen is playing his first game, his debut. And, in fact, in the quiz coming up, Chad's Brothers Quiz, the theme of the quiz this morning will be debuts on the back of this now there's been some speculation and i've been a little bit part of it as well sammy edmund a few weeks ago said a few clubs are starting to inquire about him and is there a chance of a trade well he addressed that yesterday to the group after it was announced he's playing his first game obviously i'd like to thank all of you boys for helping me throughout this journey obviously it's been tough let's go through the bfl and obviously doing my best and obviously it was a good opportunity to play for him because Get to learn new characters and um, you get to obviously join your join a new team and it's a challenge and um, all this all this talk about trade and stuff like obviously that's all cool because I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah, I'm a bit emotional. Cheers, naughty. <laughs> It's going to be good to see him in action, and that's what uh, that's what the Bulldogs fans would have wanted to hear. His coach is Luke Beveridge. He spoke this morning about the debut coming up. I mean, he's just like any other debutant, Sarah. Where you know many um, who have come through have found their first outing extremely difficult. Others have um, it's just really happened for them, and um, and we we hope that 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 it goes that way for Mara. But ultimately, yeah, we, we break the ice and, and it's his first experience at the level. And in many ways, you'll find, it, um, you'll find it easier on a couple of fronts with the anti-density rules at state league level where he's had to peel back to inside the 50 metre arc all the time. Um, on windy days out here, you know, he gets double teamed because we're outnumbered in our forward line. Uh, so it, we've just been wrapped that we've... He, he probably got to the point just when he was concussed where he was close. He's playing a stronger four quarters, but he had to miss. He missed, you know, a month because we got shut down and he couldn't play at state league level either. Uh, and now he's worked his way back in to um, to his uh, four quarter outlook and performance. And yeah, we're confident that he'll get through the four quarters and um, it'll be exciting to see him um, wear the red, white, and blue. Let's hope so. Uh, game two of the NBA Finals. Bucks leading 23-20 to 20 with about two minutes to go in the first quarter. Um, so let's hope that they can make a series of it. We might talk some NBA Finals uh, very shortly. And if you want your NBA fix, you can listen to this game on SEN Fanatic. So just download the SEN app. You can choose whatever you want to listen to, but SEN Fanatic on the SEN app has you covered for your NBA Finals. It's smack bang on 11.30. Time now for the news headlines. Thank you to you, Alex. Brock's on the line. He wants to speak about his Saints. G'day, Brock. Hey, Kane. How are you going? Good. Wasn't too hard on your Monday, was I, mate? I was a bit fired up after that big win. I hope uh, there's no hard feelings. All good, mate. But uh, I'm just... I'd hate to say it, but I've told you so. 
Port, you were calling Saints, haven't beaten anyone, but uh, yep, Port showed again they're pretenders. And uh, after Saturday night, mate, Oregon will knock off Brizzy and we'll be in the top eight. And uh, we're playing Port next week, and we know that they can't get over the top of any other top eight sides. So uh, I'm locking us in for that one too. And then uh, watch out, watch out once we make the eight. Watch out for the Saints, says Brock. Look out, the Saints are coming. He's been right behind them all year. Hey, you can listen to This Is Your Sporting Life on Sunday from 10. Sam Edmund is going to talk to retired Aussie cyclist Mark Renshaw. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.